All right, so the way I think we should start today is do a quick update on what we've actually been doing to disentangle in the past week or so since we last recorded, and then we can address the huge, looming, gaping existential question that already by episode six of this podcast has become sort of a paralyzing crisis, okay? Okay, great. Let us. <laughs> you go first. Uh, well, start. Um, after last week's uh, debacle trying to initiate a credit freeze on my TransUnion account, I did successfully manage to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and the past week I have initiated credit freezes at Experion and at Equifax, which everyone of course remembers because of their massive and um, shameful data breach a few years ago. Uh, Equifax was very easy. I imagine they've um, had to become easy because of the uh, evil eye given to them by the public. Um, but again, as with TransUnion, it was not particularly easy to find the right page. All along the way, they were trying to upsell me, as was TransUnion, TransUnion into identity insurance, um, all kinds of credit locks, but not the credit freeze. And, mm. and I finally did find the page uh, about the credit freeze, which did, in, of course, inform me that they are required to offer this service, uh, I'm sure, by legislation. Um, not out of the goodness of their honest corporate hearts? No. Uh, they would prefer to uh, extort all of the information, um, uh, extort silence on their part uh, with money. But um, they're not allowed to do that. Uh, I did also, I uh, started the credit freeze at Experion. Experion is more difficult and not, you can't actually create an account online to do it. You have to send in a copy of your ID, uh, a bill with your address on it, uh, and then they will send you back a PIN code. I don't know quite know how this is very secure or not, considering it's a six-digit PIN code is pretty, a lot easier to hack than other things, but apparently that's how they do it. And so if any time in the future I need to unfreeze that, I will simply call up a number uh, and then they can lift it temporarily. All right. So those are the three main ones. No, they're credit freeze, right? But there's apparently lots more agencies collecting data. There's no way you can keep up with them. We haven't done any of these for me. Or it turns out our minor son, like age minor, um, also probably already has these accounts. And we probably need to do this for him, too. Yes, we will need to do that eventually in order to prevent credit being taken out in his name. Including by him, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe even by him. Um, and a couple of other things I did. I, th just this morning, I remember uh, uh, hearing on one of my um, security and privacy podcasts that it's a good idea to register and make an account with your respective state's unemployment agency. Uh, this not because you are unemployed, but because unemployment fraud has been massively increasing since the corona crisis. And by creating an account and getting the requisite um, PIN number or whatever it is in your jurisdiction, you basically prevent others from doing that in your name. Um, they'll just move on to somebody who doesn't have an account and it'll be easier to do with them. But apparently some states had um, unemployment fraud uh, in the thousands and thousands of people per state. Um, and I guess the idea is that if you register under your own identity with your own social security number, you've it's like a, it's a flag planting strategy. Yeah. It's like some people do with social media, so that even if they don't use it, they have an official version of themselves. There. Right. So you want to plant your flag there so that nobody uses your identity in order to defraud uh, the public 
unemployment insurance. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to defraud them, we want to do it ourselves and get the benefit, right? <laughs> right. Uh, and one other thing, I've been locked out recently uh, of my eBay account. And I've been going through all of my uh, old accounts and closing the ones, sort of starting alphabetically. I've gone through, I don't even think I've gotten all the way to E, but for some reason, that one I tried to log into and I couldn't. And I was, um, there's a security freeze and I had to call up and talk to a very nice person. Um, I don't think it was in India this time. Bangladesh? Um, <laughs> could have been. Uh, in order to unfreeze my eBay account. So I'm now I'm back into it. Re new password and uh, that's okay. And then I was going to close down my eBay account. <laughs> and then the very friendly person on the other end of the line informed me uh, and thanked me for being a loyal customer <laughs> since 1999. <laughs> so I have had this eBay. Since the last millennium. <laughs> I have had this eBay account <laughs> for 20 two years already, which is incredible. And it has followed me through many addresses and many email addresses and many phone numbers and many bank accounts. So are you saying that a polite customer service representative and your own sentimentality about your history with eBay prevented you from closing an account you haven't used in ages? Well, I wasn't, wasn't down on the list, so I didn't really had to, had to address it directly. But yes, because eBay is about reputation and people uh, buy things from you based upon your seller's reputation. And there I have, I've sold hundreds of items or however many it is on eBay and really? I've got a good reputation. Um, and I don't want to ruin that. And then suddenly if I want to sell, sing, sell something online in the future, not have that reputation. So anyway, I'm waffling. Maybe wow. I really don't want to completely disappear from the internet. <laughs> Well, that will be a springboard to our, our big existential question in a moment. Let me just give my quick update, which isn't as long or as interesting as yours. Basically, I got you to reactivate the VPN on my phone. So I have it on all the time now. Um, so I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> and Maybe. I, and I keep location services off, um, except when I'm actively using it. Uh, I also have been more diligent on using the VPN on my computer, but I'm discovering all the companies that know a VPN when they see it and don't like it. So for instance, I had stopped using Google Chrome's or uh, voice typing. Or, so like voice typing with Google Docs is only available if you use the Chrome browser, which kind of makes sense. They want to use their own proprietary product. I had used it um, for dictation, I, basically to, a, to have not only be typing and avoid, you know, postural repetitive stress, stuff like that. It wasn't great though. And then I discovered that Microsoft Word actually has a voice typing option and it's so much better. I think it's because they bought Dragon Naturally. I don't know, but it's so much better. But I discovered it just doesn't work if I have a VPN on. <laughs> so clearly they want me to be associated directly with my own IP address. So that probably means they're collecting data on me. And that suddenly made me think, okay, I have the whole word suite downloaded onto my computer but like honestly are they somehow scanning aggregating my my stuff like i don't know so that that was i know that we had an option to get the word suite or the microsoft office suite i guess it's called from through our work and um they did not front load the fact that every single thing you did on the office suite that they paid for for you they had access to as well which made me like super pissed <laughs> off at our employer and feel like they were illegitimately spying on us until i discovered that this is universal and yeah, everyone it, is spying on us called, all the time it's, called, it's not spyware it's called bossware bossware <laughs> i hadn't heard that one bossware and yeah it's standard practice on software or even uh 
different kinds of messaging systems that are used, especially now since a lot of work has gone remote upon your system when you use it, uh, when it's used for your work, that your employer has the right to or asks you to install a certain software that has a lot of bossware in it, which is legal spyware. Uh, and so this is one reason why any of you who are uh, asked to work remotely or do a lot of work, uh, do any work on uh, a computer for your employer, you should, in most cases, almost in all cases, ask your employer to give you a computer to do it and only do your employer's work on that computer. And because don't do anything personal on any hardware or software provided by your company unless you want them to know exactly so, what it is. So, yes, you, you may trust them personally to not do anything with your data, but uh, as we've said before, they're not the ones in charge of this data. This data is going into various into a data center, and this uh, is being aggregated, and it is being um, harvested. Well, but they might be spying on they you. They might too. be spying on you. And, and they have, if you're using their computer, uh, you then you know that. Um, and you, um, anyway, but if you install their software, you're consenting to that. So do not install invasive software from your employer on your computer, and all of it may be invasive. Right. So that's pretty much all I've got, except that I now pretty much feel this vague sense of guilt and dread every time I do a Google search because I'm feeding the beast. I have been using some other sites like Startpage or Metager. They're not as good, but of course that's the point. Of course they're not as good. So yeah. I try to think like I'm feeding the good guys, but it isn't always that great. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there, just so you know, there are a number of uh, pretty good uh, replacements for Google. Startpage in particular is actually a front for Google. Um, they pay Google with by advertising re revenue in order to use it. It's not personalized to you, um, uh, start, but it is a Google search by another name. Yeah, I, I guess I, I'm realizing the whole deep problem of thinking you're getting anything for free. So even if what start page is paying with advertising, like because I don't see it, I'm less trustful of it. But let's let's save that big surveillance capitalism question for another time. So let's get to the huge thing, which is... Why don't I want to delete my eBay account? <laughs> well, okay, I think the, the, let's try to, to uh, decompose this into component parts. So, like, we have this discovery, and, like, it should have, it's been a long time coming, but finally occurred to us the extent to which this is happening, and then realizing that we had, you know, political and moral and legal and... Um, all sorts of reasons for wanting to extract ourselves from the system and to share our reasons for it with others. But the thing is, like, the whole range of options exist from, like, going dark <laughs> entirely to what? Like, so what is the near-end version? So I guess we've been implementing things bit by bit in a kind of random way, but I guess when, you know, you've been telling me all the stuff you've been listening to and reading about, and finally, I think we both kind of came to the point of, like, we don't actually know what our end game is. So yeah. we have reserved this discussion to have it now while so we're what's, recording. What's, what's what, are, what are we aiming toward here? And there, by extension, what might you who listen to this aim toward? So I, I mentioned earlier that my first reaction uh, was denial. <laughs> Simply wanting to erase all traces of myself and wish that it had been undone. I think that's right. the first stage of grief, right? Denial is the first stage of grief. So what's the second stage? Anger. Anger? Or bargaining. Bargaining. I don't know. You know Are we there yet? The, 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 that whole stages of grief thing has been wildly misinterpreted. It was actually about people who were facing death, not people mourning other people's death. And oh. it's kind of like... Well, maybe... Well, let, let's not overstress the stages Okay, the metaphor breaks down. But yeah, we're, okay. we're moving on to uh, another stage, which is 
how much effort do we really want to go to? And what, and yeah, as... Uh, uh, but what's the goal? I don't think it's the even goal? the effort, it's the goal. That's not so right. clear to me anymore. No. And so, so uh, let me give one reason why it's not clear for me. So, like, I have a... It's, you know, this is, it's ridiculous to think that people who listen to this, if we end up making this a public podcast, we're not eventually going to figure out who we are, but I'll still pretend to be vague here. So I have a longstanding public presence on the inter internet. As you know, I no longer have a social media presence, but I do have a website, which is my name. If you put my name into a search engine, you will find photos of me. You will find out where I live, what I do, the kinds of things that I like to read and write about, what I do for a living. Like all that is out there. And I don't actually want any of that to vanish. I would like to be able to control it. If say, um, you know, a cancellation mob comes after me, I would like to actually have a, a stake in the internet where I can, um, you know, say this is what really happened or this is my view of it or whatever. Um, but I don't want to not exist in the cyber world. I just want to exist on terms that I see and fully accede to. So that's would, in terms of like my, my public persona. You would like to choose what you reveal to the world. Yes. That, and it's not because is, like I'm a super discreet person. Like people who know me well that I, know that I am uh, tend to be tactless and indiscreet in lots of ways. But still, you know, there there are places that even I don't go. <laughs> I think that's actually a good place to begin with, privacy, which is to choose what you reveal to the world. Right. And one of the problems that has become apparent through the revelations uh, of data breaches and of surveillance, surveillance capital, capitalism is that uh, almost all of us are not choosing what we reveal to the world. We are revealing everything that we put in digital format, whether we consent to it or not. And I think the first glimpse I got of this is actually when your brother encouraged me to set up a website for myself, which to me seemed like vanity <laughs> at the beginning. But the point that finally got through to me is if you don't control the PR about yourself, someone else will. And again, it's not like I'm super famous, but I've just enough of a, a public presence that I realized the point like, well, yeah, if I don't have a, a like with your eBay account, if I don't have a long established personalized presence that I pay for, I do pay for my website. I'm not depending on a, like a free hosting site who can therefore decide to also ditch me. Um, you know, I'm I'm the one who gets to control the you know the the, the buck stop, <laughs> PR about myself. So that's like one set of issues is my my public and professional persona to the world and how far that infiltrates into my personal life. And again, there's at this point um, no way, but also no particular reason to hide where we physically live, or the fact that we're married to each other, or that we have a son, or you know who our relatives are, or anything like that. So that's one issue, but then... But we would rather not have anybody who wants to simply to click on a picture of you and have a family tree going back several generations and going forward several either. And right. a list of all of our current and former addresses, as well as our social security number, our driver's licenses, and all of this answers to our security questions. Right, yes. So bank. that's creepy, but I think that's actually one of the first distinctions to be made is between your chosen public persona for professional reasons or even personal reasons if you are a social media user, like you want to be on Facebook with all of your family members that you don't get to see very often, but on your own terms. But then you see, as you just said, how quickly that bleeds into like my driver's license number and my social security number and what bank accounts we have and our ass, you know, like it can very quickly get into realms where there is more 
uh, more interest for someone who is trying to uh, scam or exploit or blackmail or, you know, because we have millions, haha. But, you know, like, we don't have millions. Nobody out there listening to this should try to scam us. It's not worth it. So, anyway, so that's one big thing. So that, that's, like, on the personal side. But then there's, like, and then they're leading into the things that you want to keep private. But then there's, like, the whole not wanting to participate in this whole scale system of, of theft of people's data to make money off of. So I think that's, so th th yeah, those are the two areas yeah, in that's which where I, yeah, I, have, I have both. the end game is a lot vaguer for me. Yeah. Um, I'm still not quite sure, uh, about either of those. I, I think as far as sticking it to the man, I, I think I still, I feel still viscerally a kind of outrage yeah. that the contract that I felt I was making with various services is simply not the one that exists. Right. And of course I've consented to all the terms and conditions and all of the varying layers of party of third parties that are involved in those terms and conditions. And, um, but I don't think that that accounts for uh, a genuine consent. Um, anyway, that is something I'm still, an outrage over and I would prefer not to participate in it. Yeah, I, I should um, feel the same way, yeah. Right. Uh, but uh, with regard to how far we sh should go or can go with making ourselves or choosing to disclose of uh, what we... We're choosing to disclose to the world what we want to disclose and, and not simply have everything aired out like the dirty laundry. Um, that involves doing something that the security and privacy people call building a threat model. Oh, all right. Let's talk about the threat model. That sounds so, exciting. I feel like a, a spy. Threat model. It's a rather dire term, which I would, would hesitate to apply to ourselves because I don't see ourselves as being under a great deal of threat, but maybe that's just our naivety formally. And knowing now what I do about data breaches, I think that my sense of the threat we are under has, has, has changed quite a bit. I think that there are certain um, real threats to our identity and identity theft. Well, okay, I think this is actually a really important point to make because we decided to record our conversations and process about doing this because we are not controversial figures. No. We are not wealthy. No, we we're not are journalists not, in we're oppressive not journalists. regimes. <laughs> no, we're not dissidents. We're not, we don't work for any government. You know, so we're, we actually are much more like an ordinary person. And we're not like famous people or rich people who are targets for lawsuits and or stalkers or, or stalkers. you know with a terrible you know ex-spouse who comes after you like these are common situations where ordinary people were the bail. typical people who have nothing to hide right exactly the person who says well i don't mind because i have nothing to hide <laughs> that's us right that's us so that's why but I, we want you to be more aware and more concerned and think about a threat model precisely if you are not a threatened sort of person so i think yeah i would not agree to that statement anymore that i have nothing to hide um, everyone has something everyone, to hide, not because but, it's wrong. Yes, but, but that's a different question. Right. Okay. The, the question is, what is the threat? Okay, so talk through the threat model and how it applies, vaguely speaking, to us, and then how people listening should think about it for themselves. Well, think of it like an apocalypse. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's helpful. Well, no, Here that, come the zombies. Just, that's just to push it to an extreme to see what the threat is. So the threat is, okay. Earth is destroyed by meteor. Mm -hmm. Um. That's a pretty serious threat, but what can you do to counter that? 
Not a damn thing. Nothing. Nothing okay. we do is good. That's not a useful thing to sort of defend yourself against. Okay. Uh, but just, or take um, a three-day power outage from hurricane or ice storm. Okay. That is something that is very plausible. Um, and... Where we live can occasionally have extreme weather events. Yeah. And actually, our yeah. employer requires us to have certain numbers of bo- bottles of water right. stashed away. And... Yeah. And there are many places yeah. in, the, in, the, in the world where... Uh, a few day, a few hours, a few days, even even a couple of weeks without electricity or water is certainly a possibility. And in that case, that's the threat of natural right. disaster. And how do you deal with that? Well, you deal with that by being somewhat prepared in a very particular way. Right. Or I suppose if you have no savings or no health insurance, is that the kind of threat we're talking about? Or are we talking more uh, about cyber or security? Well, I mean, that's just in general, the idea of a threat model. Okay. If, if you're a very famous person, everybody knows who you are, you're easily recognizable. Um, the threat is on the street, people um, running up to you and assaulting you or, or making your life otherwise miserable. So you need to defend against that and by being private or right. only going in a limo with darkened <laughs> windows and only going to the back door etc so that's like a solution so th- that right. can apply to your your internet presence as well what is the threat to it so i think we can all recognize that somebody knowing your username and password to your bank account mm. is a threat to your finances oh that's another thing i did this week when i saw duplicate passwords pop up on our password manager i changed them right so all of us are vulnerable to a data leak and if any of your passwords are duplicates, any other account that uses that same password is potentially vulnerable. It doesn't mean that somebody's going to immediately go out and test all of them, but you have to assume that that password now is public, or at least the hash of it is public. And um, that's a vulnerability that um, you should take as a, a real threat to your data integrity. Right. But but that's like on on our end of our, like, let's call it digital hygiene with our passwords. Right. But you were telling me that you're listening to some other podcast that has This Week in Data Breaches. <laughs> so this is, like, not on your end. This is on the, the company or government agency end that's breached. Right. I mean, that the, the, the saga continues. Every week there's tens of millions, maybe even hundreds of millions of data records that are being made public. Um, so the threat is that any, any company where you have online accounts, your name and your information is in a database, um, that all of those places are potential weak points in your personal information that may be used by somebody else trying to impersonate you um, and or defraud you or pretend to be you in some way or another or um, extort you if you happen to, if they happen to know you have got a lot of resources or do any number of... Um, and all that information just increases the surface area of your of your threat. Right. And then the more it's like the more points, the, the more exact a picture they can develop of you. OK, right. so I'm just thinking in the city we used to live in, there was a doctor's. There's actually two, I think, doctor's offices that right. I know three, <laughs> four. I don't know. But like I presume they all created um, e-records. Yes. And put in both what happened at those visits and then whatever I gave them from the past. Right. And those are probably online somewhere. They are in a database in cloud storage somewhere. So I should just assume that anything that's in them could potentially be accessed by someone. At some point, yes. People are becoming more aware of this now. Security is increasing, but the threat is also increasing. So I think that you need to be very careful about, again, about any information you give to anybody and simply assume that it is going to be 
uh, made public by a data breach at some point. Wow. So, okay. So <laughs> that brings me back to like, so what's the end game? What, so like in the case of medical records, should you ask for nothing to be stored online and only paper records? Should you ask them to send you their digital copies of your data and then ask them to delete their record? I mean, can you? Can you I don't make even a doctor's know. I don't even know what's possible, honestly. But I know, uh, I know that a lot of the information they ask just because it's on the form and they want to ask it all. But you simply are not required to give all of the information that has a blank line in the form. Right. I mean, to visit a doctor, do you even have to say who you really are? Um, probably not. I suppose it's only if you are using insurance. And if you're using insurance, insurance or, or Medicare or Medicaid, and then it's attached to your social security number, then they probably do need to know right. that it's really you. But otherwise, not necessarily. Right. So you're really in a bind there. So say you're on, on Medicaid, and so you it needs to be attached to your true identity, and everything is online, which means that every, all in order to access medical care, you have to consent to your all your medical information being reachable. Right. And uh, with Medicare, it's perhaps even worse because they, they, they sell their databases to researchers and to companies. They do? Yeah. Of course they do. I can't believe um, they don't this. give identities with it. But the other stuff, uh, if, if you're a smart person, you can probably create somebody's identity from that data. Yeah, I think the idea that identity can remain obscured from a aggregate information is a fool's dream anymore. I don't know how that data is aggregated. I'm sure there are some security measures put in place. But in any case, your, your Medicare, uh, um, Medicaid um, insurance information is a matter of public record almost. Right. And is sold to companies. And as is your insurance um, information. Okay. And so like, what about frivolous lawsuits? So if somebody was just looking for someone to sue, like how difficult do you think it would be for someone to find out generally your net worth? Probably not that difficult. And so they could decide then, you know, whether you were worth bringing a lawsuit against Carlos yeah. or not. Right. If, if money and assets are in your name, easily found, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I suppose it would be pretty easy to find that out. Either through public records or, um, uh, or even, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not an open source intelligence expert, but I imagine there are ways to figure that out. Okay. If you don't take... Uh, some measure to obscure that information. Right. And how about what you, so we use uh, third party tax software. Yes. Not going to advertise them by saying their name, but I know you know out there in listener land exactly what I'm talking about. Um, like, how secure is that? <laughs> I mean, do they sell that data? And like, once it gets to the IRS, is it secure there? I mean, I'm not even talking about like tax evasion, but just like the tax information that you share. Um, I don't know. But, but I think the point that we're getting at is realizing that anything that exists in cyber format is, should be considered potentially breachable, and it's probably not that hard for someone, a determined hacker. At some point, in, at least in some point in the future. Now, given that there is a lot of data, there's a lot of databases, there's a lot of different um, targets, so we don't know when, but it's sort of, at some point in the future, you, it seems like a lot of data is going to be leaked somehow. Right. So here's our longstanding joke line from a very early Peanuts cartoon. What can we as individuals do? Well, <laughs> like what is the end game here? Well, I, I mean, for me, uh, one of the main things is going forward, be very careful about what information you upload. Um, and when you are creating new accounts and doing e-commerce, 
um, obscure your real identity as much as you can. Okay, I think but we need something more specific. Like, so does that mean you we should all go out and start new Amazon accounts, not under our real name, and only have things delivered to lockers? And uh, that's if so, one... how do you pay with a credit card? There are many strategies that that um, have been developed just for that purpose. Um, probably not worth it for your average person to jump right into that universe. But yes, uh, you can go to a place like privacy.com. It connects to your bank account, and then you can create synonymous credit card numbers with them. Mm. And you can pay for online purchases um, with a pseudonymous credit card. Uh, that means you put basically fake information in the in the billing address and person, um, and have it shipped. You can have even have it shipped to you, but the credit the merchant has to keep the credit card record, but doesn't keep necessarily keep the bill the the shipping record. Hmm. Um, don't create accounts at places when you uh, buy from them. Now they're probably going to be saving information anyway, but um, that's just one one thing you can do. Um, you can also create pseudonymous phone numbers. There's a number of different ways you can buy voice uh, voiceover IP numbers. There's a very popular application called MySudo, which allows you to purchase uh, pseudo numbers mm -hmm. that you can even burner numbers if you want to call for information and and just somebody asks for your telephone number, you can give them a telephone number. That's it just and then makes you can me just think like, like I'm in the wire when you say that. <laughs> I know it. No, yeah, it feels like it, but I, I mean, you're you're facing. Uh, big data and you're facing um in entities big like bot <laughs> big bot like uh like these credit reporting agencies that have their their um internet um trawlers sucking in all the possible information they can about you right uh, including ones from data breaches um so so all right well um so I think at least what we know is that we're not attempting to go dark. No, we're or not attempting to go dark. I'm just trying. Still, I'm still trying record. to wrap my head around my what we're exposed to. Like, what are the real threats? I mean, I'm thinking in for us in particular, um, our bank accounts and our retirement accounts. Well, I think for anyone, not the the general public, not having access to information about your assets, your retirement, and your health. Those, I think, at least, that makes sense for everybody yeah. to have, to say, yes, that's private. <laughs> I do have something to yeah, hide there. Yeah, and there is there are strict rules about using any of that information. I mean, there are strict rules about sharing health information, mm -hmm. um, and I don't really know anything about But it's about not. That. But the issue is not about legal shares. No. It's about illegal breaches. Yeah, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, <laughs> the right. uh, poor clinic um, w was breached. And uh, sometimes those breaches include things like before and after photos and uh, surgery and everything that's put in your digital file. That's horrifying. Okay. All right. Well, um, I guess we'll in the, the until we record again, we'll keep trying to figure out where where to uh, rein things in further and what the next steps are. Yeah. Well, we need to get you um, a credit freeze going for you and for our kid and yeah. for our kid. Uh, plant your flag for I have unemployment. To go yes, yeah, I have to go through and get rid of all my duplicate passwords for yes, sure. For and sure, and maybe I'll start seeing about um, trying to figure out all my e potential existing e records at health clinics because we live in a lot of places. <laughs> like I literally have no idea how many places still have data on me, and if uh, I can get those just disappeared 
or in, in my possession only, I think that would be all to the good. Yeah, I, that's not something I've heard talked about, but it seems reasonable. Great. Okay. Okay, well... Um, uh, Go forth and do likewise. <laughs> <laughs> Privacy is a, uh, it's a long journey. It is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Okay, pithy ending. <laughs>